Raised the Jolly Roger with a slick double play. And oh, what a stop, Hayes! There's one! Oh, zip, zap, kazoo! The Buckos just turned two! Ground ball, left side, picked. Oh, Castillo, a pretty play on the first, and a double play! In between hop, and now throwing toward third base, a pick by Hayes! Oh, my goodness, what a play! Key Brian Hayes and Michael Chavis turn it into a double play! Thank you for tuning in to the 412 Double Play Podcast. I am, as always, your host, Michael Castrogano. Joining me as my double play partner today, Pirates beat writer for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, co-host of the Pitching In Podcast with our friend Michael Christine McHenry. That's his middle name. Don't look it up. Special guest, Jason Mackey. Thanks for jumping on with me today, man. How's the calm before the official off-season storm treating you? I know, yeah, yeah, it's okay. Um, this is not my favorite time of the calendar. Um I thrive on the stuff happening and, and things changing a little bit, even if it's just roster machinations. So I get a little, um, I don't know what antsy would be the word. Um, I've enjoyed watching the postseason. I think it's been fantastic, but I'm eager for some things to change and some, some inputs on the Pirates roster and some moves to be made and my evenings to be randomly ruined and that sort of thing, um, all in a good way. <laughs> sure. So, yeah, let's go. Yeah, I mean, you're going nonstop, 162 games. I think you covered at least 130, 140 of them. Uh, I talked like to that, Andrew yeah. Destin a couple weeks ago, and he, I think, covered the, the other few. But going nonstop, yeah. pretty much since spring training down in Bradenton for like eight months, nine months, yeah. it's kind of tough to, to hit it all. You're hitting a wall right now. But uh, we, we had you on it's back we- in January. It's weird. Spring- it's weird. Yeah, it's definitely got to be a weird emotional kind of roller coaster to not have anything going on it's fun like i know this probably isn't the point but this is just like fresh on my brain because it's discussions that have been had in our household like you're you're calibrated to live a certain way um you know i mean this like with my wife and family and how we run our days and, and all that stuff and like you know we we get used to doing the season and doing the grind thing and, and going back to the off season we're like what do you do how do you how do you live this life? Like it's almost foreign, and you're so you're kind of trying to readjust into it. And I'd be lying if I said this was my favorite part of the year. It's not. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's not that's not why you had me on the podcast. But it's no, no, I understand. I don't want to make it this, is very real, make, man. It's a dynamic. I, I imagine, and I don't want to uh, make this comp in jest, but like a soldier coming back from war. Because right. it's just a completely that, that's different actual stuff. Like I, I, I belong nowhere near that conversation. But yes, I know it. Yeah. I know what you're going for. All right. Well, let's talk baseball then. We had you yep. on back in January ahead of spring training after you broke the news of the Kutch signing, which obviously amazing timing for us. So glad to have you back now <laughs> with two teams left, and we'll talk about that in a second. But first, let's jump into Pirates. So 2023 season added some vets in the off season. We had that really fun April, and then things kind of fell apart. Mixed bag of season overall. Got to see 
Keller, Oviedo taking steps forward, rookies debuting. Team overall won 14 more games than in 2022. But this was year four of Sherrington's rebuild. What should fans take away from this year and what should they expect to see going into this offseason? Yeah, uh, and I think it looks a little bit different now. <clears throat> Excuse me, as you look at two teams that lost 100 games in 2021 in the World Series. Uh, the Pirates cannot sell, hey, stay patient with us. You know, this, is a, 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 this, this process wasn't going to be quick, blah, blah, blah. Like, a lot of their stuff has been messaged that way. I don't care. Nobody should care. Like, you should expect wins. You should expect over 500. You should expect flirtation with the playoff spot. Like, that's a reasonable ask right now. You've had teams that were technically further behind you, you know, surpass you and, and go further than you've been in a long, long time. So that being said, I think there was some very good things that happened this season. I really do. And I, I look at the final two months and I'm genuinely encouraged by it. I look at what happened in its totality and we have to remember that it happened without Cruz, Brubaker, Burroughs. Um, I'm missing somebody, Velasquez for all but what, nine starts, something like that. I mean, that was somebody that was very much in their plans and good. Um, so did I see enough from this team to think that they can get to that destination that I outlined earlier? Yes, I do. Um, I think it's going to take some important moves this offseason. I think it's going to take uh, Ben Sherrington sort of finding the right targets. It's going to take Bob Nutting spending to get them. Um, they need pitching. They need pitching in a very bad way. Um, I think they need to – they have a move to make at first base um, doesn't necessarily need to be splashy in my mind. We can get more into the nuance there. But anyway, um, I look at this season largely as a success. I get it. I'm not going to you know, sit there and, and be upset at what their build looks like, but it does need to you know, come to legitimate fruition in 2024. It's definitely more promising. 2021, they lost 101 games. 2022, 100 games. Now they're in a little bit more positive position. You mentioned the Rangers in Arizona having lost 100-plus games in 21, now playing in the World Series. And, and you dropped an article last week or this, this past week with some comps to the Pirates and, and how they're going about that more yep. to the Diamondbacks and how they're built uh, rather than the Rangers who have gotten more splashy with free agents, Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, DeGrom. Yep. But realistically... As a reporter and a fan, as unbiased as you can be, how close are the Pirates to that point where they can build a team that not just can get to the playoffs, but can potentially make a run, can have a solid you know, two, three in the rotation, the bullpen, clutch hitting? Like, yeah. Is this I something mean, it, where that can happen next year? I mean, I can't sit here and say that, that I see a World Series run in the Pirates. Like, I'd, I'd be committed for something like that. Um, <laughs> do I see a team that can go over 500 and make some noise in the division in the wild card? Yes, I do. Um, and why I feel that way is, is looking around the diamond at some of the pieces they have. Um, and some questions you should probably ask, not you personally, just like any Pirates fan. Like, do you think Brian Hayes turned a corner this season? Is he going to be good? I would answer yes. Um, can I bank on a core, an offensive core of like Hayes, Cruz, Sawinski, Reynolds? Yeah, I like that. Um, do I think that they're going to get more from young guys? Yes, I do. I don't think we've seen anywhere near what Andy Rodriguez and Henry Davis can do, at least offensively. Um, do I believe in Mitch Keller and Johan Oviedo as starting pitchers? Yes, I do. Um, I think. And again, I, I think they've got some important pieces 
coming, coming back, however you want to phrase it. And I go, you know, Skeens, Burroughs, Brubaker, if they bring back Velasquez, Salamedo, Chandler, Jared Jones, like there's some pieces there, but you need sort of some transitory uh, help, if you want to call it that. You also need to, I think, add to the rotation to establish a little bit more uh, maybe belief in what's going on. I don't know if that's the right word. Ben Sherrington's talked about having 10 guys. Well, they don't have 10 guys. They need to get 10 guys. They need to figure out, you know, Rowanzi, Priester, Ortiz. But, like, I want to see him go out and sign a couple of guys, potentially one one to a multi-year deal. Anyway, you can go around here, even look at their bullpen. Like, they have pieces that are going to play. They have pieces that won games in a not small or random sample size. Um, they don't have enough. They didn't do it for an entire season. I certainly acknowledge that. But, I, you know, I don't think I can look at 2024 – and and part of the double negative here, but you know, think that everything's going to be bad. Like, no, I mean, they 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 have what they need to compete. Uh, they just need some help. Yeah, and now as far as potential free agents, you were on uh, Bucks in the Basement with Craig Toth the other day. You mentioned pitcher Jack Flaherty is a possibility. Yep. There are of course some former Pirates who might be looking for a reunion. Putting those aside for now. Are there any specific free agents who you think match up well with this team's needs, either first base, pitching, bullpen, etc.? I mean, uh, I'll go to the first base side in Santana. Um, I think it matches up with needs, desires, um, in a couple different ways. And I'll, I'll circle back to the pitching, but the Santana thing makes a ton of sense for me. Um, and it makes a ton of sense. It might not get any bigger, honestly, than O'Neill Cruz. Um, you want him to play well defensively. Santana is a very good defensive first baseman. You want him to be comfortable, enjoy it here, grow, um, understand what it is to be a star on a bigger stage. He's healthy. That's going to happen. I think having Carlos here matters. Um, I think it also would help the Pirates if you look at things like, you know, Jared Triolo's playing time or, or turning over first base to somebody else. Like, this is probably it for Carlos Santana. It's not a natural platoon by any stretch, but at the same time, you can take his playing time and diminish it, and it's not going to be that bad, and sort of split it between him and Triolo, or him and if Malcolm Nunez comes up and produces, or if you want to get Eddie Rodriguez at bats over there. I don't know. So Santana is somebody that tracks with me um, for a very easy sign, shouldn't cost a lot of money. I think the bigger question probably is pitching. Um, and what you do on the pitching side. I'd love to see them sign, you know, Sonny Gray or somebody at the top of the class. I'm not necessarily holding out hope that's going to happen. Uh, I was on with Fort, I think it was last night into today, and he threw out Eduardo Rodriguez from Detroit. Wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind them uh, skewing left-handed whatsoever. Um, you know, go pluck Jose Quintana from the Mets or something like, I mean, by all means. It shouldn't be all retreads, though. Um, there's certainly enough arms out there. Jack Flaherty, as I said with Craig, would be my pick. Um, I look at guys, and the Pirates have a great history of this. You have past performance, and there's been a little bit of a, a, a blip, like either different pitch usage, injury, confidence issue, something. And the Pirates can iron out that wrinkle, and then what they offer is opportunity. Jack Flaherty, in my opinion, is is that guy. Is that guy. You can give him opportunity. You can give him a prominent role in the starting rotation. Let's not forget that it wasn't long ago this guy was the ace of the Cardinals. Um, he was that good. He has that stuff. Um, you know, didn't get a bunch of opportunity in Baltimore after the trade. I just look at, you know, you want to sign somebody for a three-year contract and prove that they're going to be here. Flaherty's that type of guy to me. I'm not opposed to it. I think that they should 
try to get like in my opinion which has no bearing on it neither does mine to be fair you at least get to talk to them i don't think they (laughs) they they appreciate my input um but they don't appreciate mine either brother (laughs) i got news for you but i would think if they go for somebody who maybe is more of a risk yeah like uh if they bring back velasquez if they go for someone like james paxton he's kind of had a couple down years and injury plagued with uh, the Red Sox and Yankees, yep. uh, someone like Frankie Montas, who's had injury issues with the Yankees. I feel like that would be a buy low kind of situation where they have all the, the potential in the world. And then also get somebody who's un- been underperforming lately, who's more of a, a veteran like Flaherty. Uh, Kenta Maeda, I think, would be a, an interesting pick if they went that route. I would love for them to get like a middle tier. Like they're not going to, you said, you mentioned Sonny Gray. They're not going to get him. They're not going to get Jordan Montgomery, Aaron Nola, but someone kind of in the middle of that class to prove that they want somebody who is currently performing. Is there any chance that they go and and you said that they probably won't make a splashy, but like, is Sherrington going to push chips on the table going into year five to try to shore up that pitching? I mean, yes. I think he's going to. I, I just think it's, you know, what are the value of those chips? And I'm not trying to have an out here. I mean, if we want to answer it actual names, like, do I think they're going to sign Aaron Nola? No, I don't. Uh, do I think they're going to sign somebody at the top of this free agent pitching class? No, I don't. Um, and I think there's a couple of reasons for that. I think, you know, this is something that sort of gets lost in, in Pirates fans screaming for the Pirates to sign more free agents, which I certainly understand and respect. I'm not saying they're wrong for feeling that way. But think about the other side of it. If you're a free agent and you have better available options, why are you going to go play for the Pirates right now? Why? I mean, 74 or 76, like, is that going to be enough to, to lure anybody? I highly doubt it. Um, they might yeah. be lured by money, in which case you're going to have to drastically overpay. But if the guy's good enough, like he can get similar money there and then a chance to legitimately win a ring with whomever. Um, I just don't see any of those like what the pirates have to offer is decent money. You know, they like they should be able to pay Jack Flaherty a competitive rate for what he does. Um, they also offer opportunity role. Uh, the idea of, you know, I think the pirates young clubhouse culture stuff that's happening. Like, I think it's acknowledged around the game that, you know, they're on the upswing as opposed to the downswing, put it that way. I think somebody realizes they can come in here in sort of a, 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 a baseball market in a city and, you know, that is going to explode if they win, which we've seen in the not too distant history. Um, I just don't think that that lines up with any of the the premium guys in the class. Like, I think you're going to have to take on somebody with a little bit of warts. You know, I'm going through some of the, like Paxton would be one that fits that category for me. Luis Severino, another one that fits that category. Frankie Montas, somebody who might fit that category. Um, I just don't know if I see, you know, a, a, Sonny Gray, Jordan Montgomery, you know, those guys are going to want to pitch elsewhere. And I don't blame them for thinking that. What about international targets? I feel like Yamamoto is probably not going to happen given his past yeah. season. <laughs> uh, no yeah. hitter when he had like yeah. 10 scouts there. Um, but what about, I That's forget my his first name, but, uh, I mean, they sc- from they sc- the sc- Korean baseball organization, I think. Yeah. I mean, they scout, they scout a lot of these guys. Like they, they make sense. Um, you know, you're generally looking at overpay, um, you know, and, and overpay for taking a chance. I just, I don't know if that lines up with what the Pirates 
typically do. I mean, I'd love to see them get Yamamoto and I'm not here to like dump water on it because I don't know. I'm not over there, but you know, a lot of times these guys have opened up the door to go do whatever the heck they want. And they have teams falling all over themselves to sign them to a contract and the pirates will scout and pursue and be in the know. But at the end of the day, like where's your best chance to win? And it's probably not here right now. I think, you know, obviously you want that to change and you want them to improve and that's going to, if they go over 500 and go, go into the playoffs next year or something like they've changed their, you know, ranking as a destination for players. But right now I just don't see it being there. So, I mean, I could see them signing some international guys. I just wouldn't call it, you know, the upper crust of who's available. Okay. Yeah. Cause we haven't really seen, we saw what Sherrington did with the Red Sox when he was given the opportunity to spend money and there were some mm-hmm. splashy contracts that didn't quite work out there. Maybe he'll have to play a little bit tighter with the I don't know if you've ever read in Pittsburgh. Homegrown, by the way. Have you ever read I Alex Spire's book? Um, really good book. Sorry to like usurp the topic, but it's something that I, I tend to bring up when, when people talk about Charrington spending money and like spending mo- money poorly in Boston, which he did. He was also strong on by ownership in a lot of that to like, you have to sign these guys. This is the way you're, you're going to do it. Like that's not necessarily in Ben's DNA. I don't, I don't think that's, you know, that that's not a model that they're looking to follow. That's probably stating the obvious, but like, I don't, I don't think they look at, Oh, we're going to go out and fix this with contracts. Like, you know, key, key things like where you identify a weakness, which they clearly have a weakness in pitching and, you know, they're going to go out and fix it. That's fine. But I, yeah, it's not always about, you know, signing these big ticket free agents. And sorry, that, that might sound like a defense of the organization's lack of spending, but it's more strategy, just like what, no, how they want to spend I mean, their dollars. If you think about the casual fan, they're going to look at the organization and say they're not spending money because Nutting doesn't want to. But we've right. also read that Nutting was very involved in bringing back Kutch, was very involved in making sure that Reynolds' contract happened. Yep. So to some extent, he is okay with spending money to make sure that there's at least some kind of stability or maybe uh, players are happy. Just however this, whatever the reasoning is, he's not opposed yep. to it. I mean, one of my arguments, sorry to take this down a different path, but like you go to seven Springs and, and you know, I know it's different now, like, you know, that they're not actually owning it, but I mean, it's not like that's some dilapidated mess or that was some like dilapidated mess when Bob owned it. Like he spent money on it. The guy spends money on things that he believes. Is he too cautious? Yes. Um, is this rebuild taking longer than it should? Yes. Did they wait too long to do it? Yes. Um, but I mean, they got the payroll to 100 million in 2016. And then they drafted like crap. They didn't get anything internationally. They developed guys poorly. They became stubborn. They did a lot of things that were very bad. But like the payroll was at 100 million dollars. That's fact. Um, they've extended Key Brian. They've extended Brian. I believe they're going to extend Mitch Keller. Um, you know, you, like that, that, that's three big ticket contracts in the past three years. Like they made the absolute right pick with Paul Skeens, in my opinion. Um, their drafting, I would argue, to this point has been better. Um, we don't we don't know. It's still sort of TBD. But, you know, my argument on Bob is that, like, he will spend when, you know, when it's necessary. Will he spend enough? Probably not. Um, at least for people in this market. I don't think it's – I also just don't think that's how they view sustained success, right, wrong, or indifferent. Like, they want to get to something where, you know, it's sort of a narrow band. 
they never want to go too low. They're never going to go too high. They want to, you know, view this like almost a little bit like Arizona, to be honest with you. Um, it's not a perfect comp, uh, but, you know, they, they want to grow payroll and then they want to be able to sustain payroll um, and not have to like tear it all down and go this scorched earth rebuild like they did. So I think part of what they're doing in targeting contracts and how they're building this thing is to sort of lay out a plan for that. Looking for a healthy snack that is high in protein and actually tastes good? Check out Built Bars and Built Puffs. With new flavors dropping all the time, these bars are packed with protein while tasting like chocolate bars. From brownie batter to cookies and cream, salted caramel, and my favorite, cookie dough chunk, these are a delicious and protein-packed meal alternative for every member of the family. Order on Built.com and use code Janelle10 for 10% off. That's J-E-N-E-L-L-E, the number 10, for 10% off your next built order today. I don't want to make this comp or like steer it down that road, but is the mentality with teams that have a more limited budget, like maybe Arizona and Pittsburgh, similar to the comments which DePoto over in Seattle said, trying to win 84 years and stay in that kind of targeted zone yeah i think that's more true than it's wrong put it that way i you know i i can't say that that's like the, the same playbook that the pirates are using or anything like that but i mean i i certainly think the poto was was onto something that's you know something that they feel like you you don't want to ever go in the tank and and lose it the way the pirates did and i i also don't think that's wrong like the way they're doing things they're going to lose guys to free agency. They're going to have to make difficult trades. They're going to have things turn over when guys reach a certain point of their contract. But they should theoretically have young players coming up, you know, growing. I, I refer to it a lot as backfill. And how do you sustain what DePoto is talking about? Basically, like, you know, we're average, but if we really have something lined up, we feel like that's going to be a year where we really jump in and go for it. People are going to hate that idea. I understand like fans want to see their team go a hundred miles an hour all the time. And I think that's why you should have a cap and a floor in baseball. Um, that's my own personal feeling. Like you, like you should take that power out of GMs and owners hands and say like, this is what, you know, you have to spend at least this much and you're not going to go spend $350 million because that's insane. But yeah, I mean, I think the photos onto something and I think that's sort of why the pirates are doing what they're doing. And I think it's, it's also the, a smart strategy for them. I say this all the time, and this is something I put on there about the you know, thing I did about the Diamondbacks and the Rangers and, and even an earlier piece in the postseason. There's nothing preventing the Pirates from going out and drafting players, drafting smartly, developing players, getting guys internationally. They have the same access to all of these guys as shoot the Dodgers do, the Braves do. Those guys have just done a better job with it. They've found more talent. They've developed it better. We definitely have some exciting prospects coming up, and hopefully they'll be more splashy and international, uh, some of those prospects also there. But um, pivoting back to the existing members, Gold yeah. Glove nominations dropped recently. The reign of Arenado appears to have ended as Key Brian Hayes looks poised for his first Gold Glove over, uh, hopefully over, Braves Austin Riley, Rockies Ryan McMahon. But I want to talk about whether he should be in the conversation for the Platinum Glove as well. He was just announced as the Fielding Bible Defensive Player of the Year. Obviously, he won the Fielding Bible Award at third base. Kind of a given there. 
And then in the National League, only Tatis of the Padres has more defensive runs saved. Tatis and Doyle of the Rockies are ahead of him in total zone rating. Outs above average, only bested by Cubs Dansby Swanson. But the way that it's determined with the gold gloves being announced and then the platinum glove is by fan voting, kind of like the all-star game starters, kind of gives less credence to the accuracy of this award, gives more the popular player getting the award despite how good Hayes has been because he just quietly puts up these great defensive numbers as Fielding Bible, they posted an article about it. Does he have a chance at platinum once he finally gets gold this year? I think so. I, I really do. I think the the tide has finally started to turn with how people view him. And sadly, it's because he stayed on the field and produced offensively. And it, that's completely incongruent to me to the defensive argument, but it's true. Um, and I think people are starting to because he's putting up legitimate numbers. He's just not a strong fielder who happens to get hurt a lot and he's light hitting. Um, you know, had a really good offensive season and it's causing people to take note. And they're like, oh yeah, this guy's a really good defensive player. Like you can go back and look at defensive metrics and we've done this. Um, what, I'm, what I'm saying is like people outside of Pittsburgh, I think are starting to take note of this and say like, holy crap, this guy, since he came into the league, has been like the best defensive player. And I, I don't know if it's going to wind up being like sort of a course correcting situation, but I think people are realizing just how darn good this guy is. And, and once again, this is something that you and I and, and listeners of this podcast and Pirates fans, I think like we know, we, we see it. You, you see Key Bryant play. It's not a surprise, but try to imagine not seeing him play every day and it being the Pirates and they're not a national discussion topic. And, you know, yes. So I think there's, there's a lot of things there to sort of alert people to Key Brian Hayes. Him winning the Fielding Bibles Defensive Player of the Year, I think, is a big step in that direction. Um, just the, the, what's the word I'm looking for? The massive amount of space between Key Brian and other third basemen. And like, as a result, Key Brian and other players, period. How do you not take note of that? You know, like if, if you look at sort of the argument for a most valuable player, like it's most valuable relative to your teammates, what you're helping people do, your position, um, other people in your sort of stratosphere. Key Brian defensively, if we talk about a platinum glove, is blowing everybody out of the water. How is that not going to be rewarded with the platinum glove? Like I, McHenry and I were talking about this last night, and I was almost like a bit of not a jerk about it, but I'm like, how, how does he not win? I don't know. Like, forget the argument that he should win. Give me an argument that he shouldn't win. I don't, I, I don't get that at all. Like, do we really think Fernando Tatis Jr., relatively speaking, is a better defensive player than Key Brian Hayes? I, not in my opinion. Maybe, maybe there are people out there that think that. I know what defensive run save says. I also know what my eyes say. And I'm taking Key Brian Hayes as a better defensive player every day of the week. I'm really hoping that's the case. I mean, you're preaching to the choir. I've been a, a yeah, no, I mean, we're, for a long we're, time. <laughs> and, and again, like anybody who's seen him, this isn't even a discussion. You know, that, that's the crazy part to me. Like if you've seen him yeah. play, he has, he has more errors than he probably should have because he creates problems for himself. Like he gets to balls that other guys just wouldn't get to and it's just automatically a hit. He, Brian gives himself a chance because of athleticism. And I don't mean like a ball that ticks off his glove. Like that's naturally going to be scored a hit, but just like putting himself in position to try to make all these plays. Like, I, I just, I don't know, man. Like you said earlier, I've watched 130 games, 140 games of this, this season. I, I probably saw every game that Key played. I, just, it makes you shake your head. You like run out of ways to describe it. Honestly, it's so good. 
Yeah. If, if for listeners, if you haven't read it, check out the uh, SIS article just dropped on Thursday with the breakdown of how good, pretty much how good Key is compared to Machado, McMahon, Arenado. Historically, they said that he is the sh- he plays more shallow than any third baseman in baseball, and he still gets to everything. Yep. Because yep. like even the hard hits, he just has th- these instincts. He's just so good. Could talk about Key all day, um, but I don't want to take up all your time on that. There is still a lot of ongoing discussion related to the Pirates broadcasting rights next season and whether MLB will take over, if the Pirates continue to be paired with the Pens under the Fenway Sports Group. Is there word, is, is the discussion still ongoing and, and currently could be decided at some point? And, and what, how could this impact any kind of spending plan for this offseason? I was just looking something up as we were talking, and, and this cracks me up. Sorry. Austin Riley, Alex Bregman, and Manny Machado. They have combined for 18 defensive runs saved, which still does not equal that of Key Brian Hayes. Key should be, what, 21? <laughs> yeah, 21. Um, anyway, to the TV rights thing. I just, I can't get past that. Like, Key Brian, <laughs> Platinum, it, 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 it's such a foregone conclusion. So with the TV rights thing, man, I think this is a fascinating topic. And it's tough. Like, I've, I've been asked, you know, what's going on with this? Where's their, you know, is there news? What's an update? There really isn't. Um, what I know about it is that it's very active, um, going back and forth, negotiating with FSG, with MLB. Um, there are perks and, and downsides to both ends of this. Um, if you go the MLB route, a guy that used to work at AT&T Sportsnet, um, Doug Johnson, is with MLB and handles like sort of the liaisonness or the liaising of making this stuff happen. And that, that, that's a plus. Like He understands the market. He understands what the Pirates need, whatever. Um, it, on the other hand, you have FSG, who they're, they're doing the Sportsnet Pittsburgh thing. And if anybody's watched the Penguins telecasts, I think they do a really good job. I like their setup. Um, I like a lot of the talent over there. But anyway, you're seeing that and you're seeing what they're going for. It's also going to be tough for FSG and, and Nesson and Sportsnet Pittsburgh and all the people involved in this to run a channel with only one team. They need the Pirates inventory. They need you know a bunch of Pirates games, a bunch of Pirates content a bunch of Pirates staff. It makes everything work better. So, you know, there, there are like, the Pirates are basically in the middle of two entities that it would really help them to have their rights. Um, you know, and, and as much as people might be frustrated about the Pirates, they do well on TV. Um, you know, not, not the Yankees or the Red Sox, but like for what they are, they've done fire. So the Pirates are, are sort of balancing out what the best deal is for them. Um, how much money can they get from the AT&T or Sportsnet Pittsburgh thing? Um, which I understand was not, you know, it did not look good the first time around. Um, the first discussions that Nutting had with FSG people did not lead to much, um, you know, it, it, I think is probably fairly typical of negotiations. You could probably say that they, they lowballed them, whatever, and they've, they've gone back and those offers have improved. Um, at the same time, you've got the MLB option, which probably isn't ideal from a content standpoint for the Pirates. Whereas like they do shortened pre and post game stuff, they do like 15 minutes. And it's as simple as like, if they go the, the MLB route, it might be like Greg Brown and Joe Block handling the pregame themselves. No, like Rob King, Robbie, Dan Potash at a booth or, or at a desk, something like that. Like it's, it's very tightened. Uh, they don't do any weekly magazine shows like Inside Pirates Baseball. That, that might be lost. Um, and for a team like the Pirates, it has to get out a message about young guys and talk about this stuff. It's not great. So they, they sort of want that editorial control. They want to be able to talk about themselves, promote themselves. They would have that for days 
at Nesson. And it would also be sort of the most like a regional sports network setup that Pirates fans are used to now. So again, there's not a lot of clarity on which direction they're going to go. But hopefully that blabbing led to a little bit of like what they're looking at, what they're thinking about, the positives, the negatives, that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think on the outside, it, because this is all closed door, we have no idea what's going on. There's, yeah. It's basically just like Fort was doing the podcast circuit last week and was talking to uh, a couple of the guys about uh, his opinion. He did, on didn't it. he? Yeah. Which he, he, I, he, I think he hit every podcast in Pittsburgh. I he, forgot. He the, did a bunch the, of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. I love Fort. He's I, such a I'll good I'll have, to, good I'll have to reach out to him because I didn't have him on mine, but I'll get him sometime in the offseason. Oh man! I had him on in like mid-season, but he's he's a busy guy. He's got like three different podcasts he's running now. He's not that um, busy. He acts <laughs> like he's busy. He's not that busy. He's he's got other stuff. But is this something where it's going to potentially run into like spring training or beyond? No, no I don't think so. I I don't. Okay. Um, I I think they would like to have all of this sorted out. I I don't have a de- a deadline. Like I'm not saying it's next week or whatever, but I, there should be no reason for this to bleed into spring training. They should have everything set up. Um, there is going to be a drop dead date. I mean, like any negotiation there should be, um, they should realize what, what they're going to get in each place. Um, and I, I would also say that that this is one theory I've heard a couple times. It doesn't have to be like a 10 year deal. You know, they could go to MLB for a year and say, we're going to see how this works and we'll talk again next year. And you know, that might make sense. It really might. And, you know, I, I think, and again, I'm, I don't know which way they're going to go. It honestly changes. Like two weeks ago, I was hearing the MLB thing was like, great. And last week it's more, oh, the Nesson thing really picked up. So, I mean, I don't, there's no rhyme or reason to it, but I could see it making sense where you go to the MLB thing for a year, see what it looks like. And you're like, eh, I don't know about, you know, we're, we're really missing a lot. Like our fans are missing pre and post game. We're not, we're not getting out our message the way we want to. And then you restart talks with, with Sportsnet Pittsburgh. And I mean, if Sportsnet Pittsburgh is not giving the Pirates a deal that is favorable to them, uh, because like the MLB thing is basically promising 80% of their existing TV contract. So right. if Sportsnet is not beating that at a number that the Pirates like, Pirates say, screw it, we're going to go to MLB. And if, if Sportsnet Pittsburgh said, well, that, you know, that's above our price line, then you go that way. But then, you know, a year into that, Sportsnet Pittsburgh might say, well, we, we really need this to look a little different. Let's change our price. You know, so it's, it's just negotiation. I don't, I, again, I'm not saying that's the way it's going to go. I don't know. Um, but I'm just saying there's a lot of like active discussions back and forth. All right. Well, hopefully that gets resolved soon. But that will wrap it up for all of us here at the 412 Double Play Podcast. Thank you, Jason, for joining us today. Do you have anything uh, coming up in the next week? Articles, stories dropping? Nothing huge. Um, I've been doing some stuff outside of baseball just to sort of cleanse my palate a little bit. I have something working, uh, something going on about East Palestine, Ohio, Um, some athletic programs (laughs) there. Yeah, certainly not. No no Pirates connections whatsoever. Okay. I'm working on a story about Chris Young, who I don't know if you knew. um, This was news to me that he was a Pirates draft pick, the uh, Rangers GM, third round pick in 2000. Yes, that's right, Rangers GM. Yeah. Uh, Former Hickory Crawdads, great. Um, So, yeah, I I think that's about all I have on the dot. I might have one or two more things, but yeah, it's just finding, finding odd things. Cool. All right. Well, you can follow yeah. him on X, Twitter, however you call it. 
uh, at jmackiepg. Catch him on Pitching yep. In Podcast with The Fort, who is just so busy, just so very busy. You can follow He's me so on busy. X at 412DoublePlay. Continue listening to the show. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, now on YouTube, wherever else podcasts are found. Make sure to subscribe so you get notified when we drop our new episodes. From all of us here at the 412 Double Play Podcast, thank you for joining us, and let's go Bucks.